Hi, folks. This is GOK Gospel of Kennison, episode 54, brought to you the week of January 3rd, 2016. I'm your host. My name is James Kennison. For more about me and what I do, visit jameskinnison.com or nlcast.com or drawyourpicture.com. That'll do it. So today I want to talk a little bit about discipline and, and, and not any of the pervy <laughs> versions of discipline um, uh, and, and not the militaristic version of it. I want to talk about discipline as it relates from uh, parent to child. And, and in some cases from uh, children's pastor to child. If there's anything that I've ever done in my life that has been worth a crap, it has been maintaining discipline in the uh, learning environments that I created uh, over, you know, the span of 10 plus, 13 plus, whatever years that I did children's ministry. And I have to say, and because this is last but not least, the attitude of discipline or the atmosphere of discipline that I have created uh, and maintained in my own house uh, to get the kind of behavior that I want from my children. And so hopefully I will do the topic some um, credit because I've, I've taught it. I've written paper upon paper on it. I've given away, uh, you know, the 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 notes that I have written on the subject to when I've taught it, uh, unfortunately, I don't have much written in the in the way of uh, two parents and how to handle discipline with their children. But so much of what I know and believe and practice applies, especially since I've done it uh, in my family, that I think I can do it at least uh, a little justice here uh, verbally rather than, you know, on paper. So let me just say this at first. Discipline for so many people is a bad word. It's a dirty word. It was a dirty word for me. Uh, being raised by a, uh, you know, a hard military style stepdad, um, I was, you know, borderline, if not all the way, uh, often um, abused underneath that name. You need discipline. You will be disciplined. Uh, to the to the fa- to this I don't know to the end that things like for kicking a basketball, you know that's not what basketballs are for. They're for bouncing, so you're gonna get a spanking. Um, you know, you your sister barred your raincoat. She left it on your bed. It's still your responsibility. You're going to be spanked for that. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll go on to say that I was hit so hard at times, spanked, um, beaten. I'll go ahead and say now, uh, that I couldn't stand up for a couple of days. Um, and I now realize obviously that was not discipline. That was a, a, a mean stepdad, an abusive, angry, uh, stepdad, manipulated stepdad. So, uh, I just want to at first say discipline is not, and if anybody can say this, it's me. Discipline is not um, hurting uh, children. It is not, you know, causing them pain for the sake of causing them pain. Uh, Discipline is something that you have to turn to the Bible to define. 
and you can do that if you want to. I did it already, and I will just say this. In a nutshell, there's you're going to find a very, very hard time finding God's love mentioned in the Bible. Or no, let me flip that. You're going to have a hard time finding God's discipline in the Bible disconnected in any way from God's love in the Bible. Those he loves, he disciplines. And then there's this thing about if you don't discipline, then you are sparing uh, the, the child love because the opposite is true. If you don't love the child, you will um, give them the rod. If you spare it, it means you don't love them. There, There's connections all through the Bible um, about God and how he loves us and how he disciplines us. And again, it's not in a uh, an abusive way. It is in a way that teaches you to be more of what he wants you to be. It's to, to, to take away and tear away the parts of you that keep you from being all that you can be. Um, my definition of discipline is, uh, I, I often say very, I think it's kind of a dumb saying, but it makes sense. I, I often say discipline. I mix discipline and discipling together. If you're not familiar with the term discipling, basically discipling is teaching someone to be like the person they're following. And in, in the case of a family, a child is in theory supposed to be, uh, you know, duplicating, um, well, the, well, the adult's supposed to be duplicating their lives in the lives of their children and children become an echo, a, um, and, and oftentimes an exaggeration of what their parents are. Discipline is not, teaching your kids to be good. It is not teaching your kids how to be good because teaching kids how to be good just teaches kids how to not get caught. It also teaches them to to behave differently uh, based on who they are around at any given time. Even the undisciplined child can be disciplined by a good teacher or a mentor or a coach and get behavior that the parent never could because the child hasn't learned to be disciplined. The child hasn't learned uh, anything other than to be good and um, that there's no consistency. Discipline is not teaching your child to be good. Discipline is teaching your child to be like Christ. And that is, that is the beginning and the end of it right there. Teaching your child to be like Christ. Because the more we are like Christ, the more we attract uh, or we ask our kids to become more like Christ, the better they're going to be by default. You don't have to um, preach uh, or hit them up about pop culture and and this and that and the other, all the different things so much when you have it down, um, when you've taught them how to be Christ-like. Um, there's so many things that you never have to worry about and deal with, especially in early elementary. Uh, and, and, you know, with my daughter being 11 now, I haven't had to deal with so many things because she doesn't believe in them. She doesn't want to do them. She doesn't struggle with the temptations. Um, and I'm not saying she won't, I'm saying so far, she hasn't had to deal with a lot of things that kids in her class have dealt with. Uh, because she has become more like Christ. Uh, that's something she's decided to do. Now, 
discipline oftentimes is mentioned hand in hand with spanking. Now, we spanked our kids. We're done now, thankfully. But um, spanking, to me, done properly is a, uh, uh, it is a great way. It is a wonderful way to get your kids to um, change their behavior and they learn the uh, consequences of their bad behavior almost immediately. And, and you heard me earlier. I'm the guy that got whooped and beat and smacked and blah, blah, blah. So in my world, we'd bend them over the bed. It was a, it was a hand on the backside. I felt everything they felt. I, you know, no more than three little pop pops. And it was mostly the process uh, rather than the pain. Um, if you're someone that doesn't ever, 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 ever want to do that, then hats off to you, man. You can do it. I know you can do it. You can win over the child. You can change them and you can make them into what you want them to be. It's just going to take forever. It's going to take forever. I mean, spanking takes forever, but not spanking. It's just going to take a lot more patience. Okay. Um, how do you, okay. In the family, in the, in the structure of the family, I believe family is a microcosm. I mean, it's a smaller world inside of a larger world. I believe that it's a microcosm of the world at large. Okay. The entire universe, um, in the entire universe, we know that there is God there's the forces of good. Uh, there is Satan. There's the forces of evil. And on this side with God, there is eternal life in the eternal picture. And on this side, there is eternal death on the other side. And, and, and within that world, there is a natural current that seems to flow toward the dark side. It's, it's the thing that if you do nothing with your life, if you just sit there with, that, with your soul in your hands and you don't make a decision, that's the direction you're going to go is toward the dark side of things. Within the microcosm of our family, we have to reverse that natural flow. And we do that because we do the opposite of what the world does. The world will take and punish people that are doing good. It's what's so hard to do good. It's a struggle because you're going against the current of the universe. And it's why it rewards gangsters and thugs and, and stuff like that, seemingly, obviously, but there's so many rich folks and, and stuff, at least on my NCIS program, that 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 uh, seem to thrive and, and are rewarded uh, for bad behavior. In the microcosm of your family, you reverse that trend by doing the following. You exaggerate the consequences of both being good and being bad because there's consequences for good. They're good consequences, right? But the world doesn't always provide that. So me as a parent, it is my job to provide that consequence. And most of the time it's just, Hey, that was awesome. I saw you go talk to that girl. Or I saw you do this or any other. You're amazing. You're awesome. Just want to let you know, give me a hug. Boom. Uh, the consequences that we exaggerate for bad behavior. Um, a lot of times, um, we, uh, here, here, here's the deal. We get afraid not to do this because sometimes life uh, provides its own consequences. In those cases, yes, you don't need to add anything other than, hey, did you see you left your bike out in the front yard? I told you it was going to rust. It rusted. Now you got a rusty bike. Enjoy. And that's all you have to do. But if there's something else going on, I don't do my homework. All right, we'll go to your room. Um, you know, maybe, maybe you need to do a little bit more 
uh, than that. So, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going through like a hundred things and 90 miles an hour and I'm only 12 minutes in. So that's pretty good. Uh, so, so if you can see what I'm talking about, I believe that discipline, uh, one of its core things that it is the pain that we provide, that we offer or, or, or create that saves us from death. All right. And, and I want to, I'm talking in kind of half in the microcosm world and half in the eternal world, because I truly believe it with all my heart that the first God your children will know is you. And the relationship they have with God in large part will be based on their relationship with you. And so it is your job to make sure, sure that your connection is such with God that when you duplicate that relationship, that connection in your child, that they have the best chance and they're set up the best to know at least a bit of how God works based on your connection with God. Okay. Um, and that's a big, hard thing to do. That's why I believe so many kids today aren't behaving and aren't doing right. It's because the, not just that the parents don't know what to do. I think that's part of it, but I think they're, they're struggling with so much guilt about their own lives, um, that they, they can't enforce things for their children to do because they aren't doing them themselves. Uh, you know, if my children struggled with weight, which they don't, it would be hard for me to be uh, someone on them about that because I struggle with weight myself. Or I say struggle, so it sounds good. I eat a lot of stuff. So there's that. Thankfully, my kids are, are smarter than me and better than me, and they're not going to go that route. So, um, but about the microcosm, the, I said it was the pain that keeps you from death. Here, here's my example. When you discipline a child, you are providing a, 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 a pain. And I don't even mean physical all the time. Sometimes it's, you know, it's just that punishment of sitting in timeout, not getting to go to somewhere, not getting to watch the TV program that they wanted, having to eat those greens, you know, the things that we do to our children, holding them down while they get their uh, their vaccinations and their, you know, shots and things like that. We, we may hate that. We may be indifferent to it, but we know within, in our, in our heart of hearts that we are doing the best thing for our kid, that pain that keeps them from death. Um, it, it's the same thing of, I, I, uh, if you're laying there in bed and your hand drooped over the side and there happened to be a candle burning cause you're, you know, back in the old candle burning days and you're laying there and the thing catches your hand on fire. Well, that's not going to happen because well before that happens, the pain of the candle burns you and it's the best thing in the world for you because your hand didn't catch on fire and your entire life is over. You have the, the ability uh, to, 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 to feel that small amount of pain that saves you from the larger pain. And in the world of our microcosm family and our ma macrocosm, which is the uh, universe uh, of all you, you, the pain that you keep, that you cause or create for your children in the dis in the world of discipline is going to save them ultimately from, uh, the, the, what, what the universe has planned for them. Okay. And that ultimately is eternal damnation. Now, did I just say that discipline saves their soul? That's what it kind of sounded like. No, it doesn't. But it, uh, when you put a kid together the right way, 
uh, when they are old, <laughs> they will not depart from it, meaning they won't change. They're not going to be different than the way you put them together. If you, if you train up a child in the way sh- they should go. And that's the thing is you have to put them together properly. And in the microcosm of the family, rewards have to be exaggerated and punishments are, are bad things that children do need the consequences have to be exaggerated. Now there's reasons we don't do this. One is we're afraid because uh, maybe we were dis- disciplined improperly or we were, um, uh, you know, uh, hurt uh, or abused as I was. That's one reason people don't do it. Well, we've already talked about that. That's a different thing. That's not discipline. Discipline is discipling. It is turning kids into little Christ-like monster people. And uh, there's still the monster element there. But uh, And we do that by establishing rules. We do that by establishing even more important than rules, expectations and a vision for our child. And we do that by helping them, steering them against the current that's in the world uh, by providing consequences for both good and bad behavior. Okay. Let me just pause for just a second and say that I believe with all my heart that if you do not discipline your child, you do not love them. Okay. And I, I say that harshly and you can ignore it. You can turn me off and that's it. But I read very clearly that God uh, only um, his, his, his love. One of the ways he has, he expresses that is through discipline. And if you're being disciplined, it's, it's because you know, you're loved. And I, I have to just say, uh, you know, when, especially when I hear spare the rod, spoil the child, train up a child in the way he should go when he's old, he won't depart from it. Buster to those that, you know, have a, a quiver full of kids, you know, and all this, cause, um, you know, and their young ones will rise up and call her blessed. All these different things is we're supposed to be able to enjoy our children and vice versa. They are supposed to enjoy us. But when I see at, you know, I'm at Target or I'm at Walmart, I love going through the toy aisle. And when I walk through there and I hear every time just about some kid between three years old to 12 to 13 even, and they are, they are pitching a fit um, because they've got money from grandma and they're supposed to pick out a toy and they can't do it. And they're and mom's on this fighting level with the kid and the kid is fighting back with the parent as if they're equals. And it just drives me up the wall because it's so easily fixed and so easily remedied. Um, and, and, and I've been enough, I've been in children's ministry enough to know that parents who do not properly uh, in, instruct their children in the way they should go, uh, those kids grow up with significantly more struggles and issues and temptations um, because they have never learned about boundaries. And so uh, much like a a kid who's on the other end of the spectrum who has too many boundaries and is never uh, able to choose anything of their own, like, you know, overprotective kids that come out and they're all of a sudden Katy Perrying all over the place and they're just totally different. um, The the same thing can happen for a child who is told or or, or through their life has been told, hey, there's nothing that you can ever do wrong. I think that's one of the reasons why uh, white boys uh, have so many dang accidents, stupid car accidents, because they feel like there's they've never experienced the consequences of bad behavior and they have no fear. I think that's only other reasons why white boys go into um, schools and shoot everybody because they've never been taught uh, that bad behavior and, uh, and, and punching another kid in nursery school hurts. 
biting someone hurts. And so that's why I lean into, again, that the, the punishment has to be painful. Now, does it have to be physically painful? No, if that's not something you want to do, great. But um, if it is uh, not, then you have to find out that punishment that makes the consequences of the, of, of the I'm sorry, the positive consequences of bad behavior uh, not worth it. Let me say that again. When you, when you are picking your consequences for bad behavior, you have to make sure they outweigh the benefits of doing wrong. You can remember back in your childhood uh, when you did something wrong and it was worth it. It was worth it because it tasted great. You know, you stole the cookie, you punched your sister, and you knew you weren't, you know, you, there wasn't going to be a problem. Um, I like to use this example with the kid who doesn't want to do his homework. So mom sends him to his room and that is not a good enough punishment because he's got video games in there. He's got comic books. He's got his cell phone. See the consequences did not outweigh the benefits because there were benefits to not doing his homework. He got sent to his room. He's on his phone with his girlfriend. Yay. Everything's awesome. Has he learned anything? Have we switched the uh, current of the universe uh, back in our favor. No, no, we have not. We've actually rewarded bad behavior. So what would we do in that situation? Well, we might make that kid sit down at the table and he will sit there until he is done with his homework. We don't care if you want to do it or not. Do you need help? Is there something that you're struggling with? Is there any, no, there's not. Then you're just being a butt. Do your homework right now. Um, you know, blah, 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 blah. And then I'd, I'd probably invent something. I'm like, we were going to ice cream tonight, but not now. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, yay, man, the current has shifted. There's a positive uh, benefit to finishing and there's a negative consequence to not. You want to talk about a current being reversed. Now, of course, I'm obviously talking about elementary age people. But in my opinion, the the floor the the of, of discipline, the, the basic uh, layout, the 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 construction that you're going to do in a child has to be early in life. I think if, if it's not between two, two and a half, three and a half to four, uh, depending on your kids, you know, just development level, you're going to have to work against something that you've not built up your entire life because your child learns one way or the other. If you are not a disciplinarian, you're not a strong person that, that, that um, maybe you want to be, but you're just not. Um, you've been probably accidentally uh, teaching your child that screaming, wailing, kicking, fussing, biting, pushing, uh, claiming things are theirs that aren't is, uh, is somehow benefiting them and getting them what they want. And though you haven't meant to, you have taught that child by not teaching them anything um, that being selfish and bratish and punkish is the way to go. Now, why do children do this? Well, they start this way and it's fine when you're a newborn, your, your job is to scream and let everybody know that either you're poopy, you're uncomfortable, you're hungry, you're gassy, a hundred other different things. You learn from the moment you come out of your mama that, uh, you know, screaming and hollering and fussing and, and getting the attention of your, of your loved ones uh, ensures your survival. Um, but as you get older, um, in theory, we're supposed to teach kids to totally switch to the other thing. So instead of screaming, you're supposed to say, please. 
And instead of getting angry, you're supposed to be patient. And it's the exact opposite of what they're born uh, in their DNA to do. It is not normal for a human to want to wait or be patient or put others first or share. Sharing is the most ridiculous thing in the world. We teach kids how to do it. You better share that toy you've been playing with. But if somebody, if we're mowing the lawn and our neighbor come over and says, hey, let me have that. Ah, we'd be freaking out. Anyway, don't get me started on sharing. It's necessary, but it's a ridiculous concept. Um, but it's the first we learn to put others first, you know, first first way we learn it. Uh, so um, what do you do? What do you do with your kid? How do you, how do you start uh, proper discipline with your kid? Well, Everything, everything is unique. Every child is unique. Every personality is unique. But some things work with all children. And that is, again, finding out in your world what is it that gets on their goat. With my brother, for instance, he hated being alone. Okay, so we, my mother would put him in timeout in his room. And he would scream and wail and thrash around, as, uh, similar to the way that I did when I was under his dad's uh, belt. <laughs> but you'd have thought somebody in there was in there beating him. Um, but that's what worked for him. And so that's what they found uh, that was effective with him. So the first thing you have to do when you want to start disciplining for the first time, or maybe, you know, starting again or rebooting or, or whatever you're doing, wherever you're at is you have to give a, you have to get a vision for your child. Now vision sounds like a big old fat Christian word, but it's mostly a business world. And it mostly means um, imagine going into the future, 10, 20 years, you take a picture of your child and you bring it back and, and you've got an image of that kid and what you want out of him. What do you want for him or her? That is your vision. That's your vision. And it's weird that you would say you would have a vision for a kid. I've never heard anybody say that. Uh, I'm probably not the first one, but you, for each child that you have, you should have a vision. That doesn't mean that you get to pick everything about what they become. It means that you want to set them up. I, I don't know. I got a daughter. She wants to be president of the United States. I don't know if she will do that. Okay. I, the, when she first started saying it, I was like, yeah, whatever. Nowadays I'm like, you know what? <laughs> she, she might freaking pull it off. Um, but that's not necessarily my vision for her, but my vision for her would enable her to be the kind of person she would need to be to become the president of the United States. Um, you know, or at least the person that gets beat the crap out for wanting to be president, but, but they, they're getting beat up because they're Christian and moral and all this kind of stuff and non-compromising. Um, but I don't have a very specific idea for her. I just have this general thing. I don't want her to have gotten pregnant. I would rather her not have dated a whole bunch of dudes in high school, you know, just save that for later. Um, she will be thin and beautiful, not because that is the only thing that is beautiful in the world, but because that is what she is now. And I want her to just continue to grow in that area. And it would be wrong for her. Uh, it would be against her, her physical nature to you know, become portly or anything like that. Um, but I think you would get what I mean with my son. Um, he's still young, 
But I, I, every now and then I see his image uh, of the future in his eyes when he looks at me. And uh, he's going to be, um, I want him to be a young man, a sensitive young man of God that, uh, that is brave and strong, but not in a hairy, sweaty man kind of way. Just in a chill, you know, I know what I want from my life. And I know how to get it, and and this is it kind of way. I don't know. All that to say, my my vision and your vision for your child can be very fluid, but it's important to have one. And here's why: because when your kid is doing stupid crap, you have to ask yourself: Does this get them closer to that vision I have for them, or further away? That's the black and white of it, right there. Does does him picking his nose get him further? from my vision or closer. It gets him further. He can't be 21 picking his nose, running for Congress or whatever. So you have to stop picking your nose. That's a problem. That is a problem we have to fix. All right. So once you get a vision of your kid, it it becomes very, very clear. And I want to put another image in your head. Um, Imagine that in the middle of a field of white, uh, also known as like a, PowerPoint slide. Um, there's a word that just says acceptable behavior. Boom, right in the middle of the screen. That's the acceptable behavior. Above it and below it are two lines. Okay. Um, one of them says exceptional behavior, and that's above the normal. Um, below it is unacceptable behavior. That's the other line. And then um, below that is punishable offense. And all the way up at the top is rewardable behavior. So from the top to the bottom, if I can remember everything, at the very, very top, start in the middle. I mean, we got we have normal behavior going up. We have, uh, a, 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 you know, a, a, a awesome behavior and then a rewardable uh, behavior. Underneath, going down from normal, we have a, uh, a bad behavior and then uh, punishable offense or whatever you want to call it. That's the, that's the kind of the... Uh, thing I have in my head all the time uh, for my children. And it also helps me to know when to reward and when to provide uh, negative consequences. And it could help you too. Um, Most of the things that our kids do day by day, uh, a lot of them are just normal behavior. Now, when their kids are young, that's, that's not always the case. Uh, The first time they feed themselves, the first time they throw pickles on the floor Uh, the first time they poop in the potty, you know, all these things that one day will be normal aren't. Okay. And so it's totally customizable to your child, wherever they're at. What is normal? What is them just being four years old or what is them being bad? You put everything they do through this filter and it will help you, especially if you have temper problems or if you don't discipline enough and you know you should, and you don't really know when, when to step in. This will help you. So the kid does whatever it is. I don't even know. Whatever For the sake of argument, we don't know what it was. But we have to say, okay, was it normal behavior? In which case, I move on about my business. Was it um, punishable? Did it go below my minimum requirements? If it did, then we're in punishable world. If it goes higher... And, and it goes to exceptional behavior, rewardable behavior, then I move that direction. 
um, every single time, every single time your child's behavior moves below the minimum acceptable uh, amount, you know, or whatever, then that child needs to be met with some sort of discipline. Doesn't always mean a whooping. It doesn't. Sometimes it's a pat on the butt. Sometimes it's spanking on the hands. Sometimes it's time out. Sometimes it's customized and creative based on what your kid is doing at any given moment. Um, so again, in, in, on my, on my screen, right in the middle, we had accept or normal behavior. Um, the two, the line above and the line below to know when behavior is dropping below those times or above. Um, I call that, that one line that set that was originally, uh, bad behavior. I want to, I want to change it to minimal, minimum requirements. Here's my minimum requirements in children's church. Minimum requirements changed uh, for each section of my service. So when you were sitting down listening to a, uh, a, a service or a character talking, uh, minimum requirements were that you were sitting still. That was it. And oh, oh, and that you weren't talking. Boom. You didn't have to listen. You didn't have to enjoy it. You didn't even have to be facing the right way, but you needed to be quiet. And you didn't need to be bothering anybody else. So, that child in, in nor, would be in normal behavior world if they were turned around facing the back. I didn't care about that in my world because I'm not going to make a kid behave. If I'm not doing enough to make that kid interested in what I'm doing, then I am incompetent and I needed to change what I was doing anyway. But, um, but if that kid started talking to someone else, boom, immediately that went below my minimum requirements and punishment, you know, reseating the child away from the child they were talking to, um, you know, and then I had a consequence ladder that included uh, going to the parents and blah, blah, blah. We'll talk about that sometime later. Um, okay. So in your situation, um, maybe they're eating. It's time to eat. Minimum requirements. You will try everything on your plate. Minimum requirements uh, do not dictate that you have to eat everything. You might want to eat everything. That's great. That's normal behavior. Um, if you eat something, all of something that you hate and you have a good attitude about it, that might be exceptional behavior. And you might just get yourself a reward, a scoop, out, half a scoop of ice cream or something like that. Um, but do you get where I'm going? You know, uh, when, when we're watching television, uh, you know, you can't be talking. You can't be fighting. You can't be fussing. When you're playing outside with your siblings, you cannot hit each other. That's it. There's no hitting. Minimum requirements is you have to keep your hands to yourself. No punching. No, uh, don't be calling each other names. You know, whatever it is for you. I, I tend to, to be very fair and um, I try to be... I try to make it easy for my kids to behave. Okay. Again, making that, that counter current against the universe. I try to make it easy for them to behave, but, but I'll be honest. I got some rules for one kid that I don't have for the other because their personalities are different. And sometimes it's because of their gender. Like if Jenna hit Jay, she would get in trouble, but not nearly as much trouble. If Jay hit Jenna, you know why? Because Jay has a special rule and he knows it that men do not hit girls, period. Doesn't happen. Don't care why, don't care what. Do not hit a girl. That goes for your friends, your sister, 
your mom, whatever. So these things, um, these rules can be written almost on the fly, given any situation and your kids will learn them. Your, your children will learn them, uh, especially since when they're, when they're really young, most of the, your interactions with them have to do with food and bathrooms and playing. And it's not like they're in tennis and, and going to school and, you know, they're not doing hard labor and chores. So you got plenty of time before more crap gets added on to your child's life um, to where you can be there and help them to behave. Your, your child is supposed to be someone that you enjoy being around. Your child is also supposed to be someone you can be proud of. And um, if they're embarrassing you, if they have bad behavior, it is a reflection on you. And I see that sometimes. I see that, like I said, at Target or whatever, parents or kids are freaking out. And the parents don't step in and do what they want because they, they're, they're, they're afraid of what everyone else is thinking. Because if you whooped a child, on the, first of all, don't do that in Target. You know, you're going to get somebody called on you. If you don't do anything, people are like, kids are out of control. Parent has no control. Uh, a lot of times, properly um, disciplining a child it includes getting them out of the situation they're in that's causing the behavior. And uh, sometimes that's rough. It's rough walking a kid to the car while they're screaming bloody murder and everybody's wondering, what are you doing to them? Uh, I remember Jenna. Jenna was two, two and a half. I had her at the Walmart all by myself. And uh, she wanted something. And I told her no. And she started thrashing around in the cart so bad that she was going to fall out. And... Uh, I had to hold her down as if I, I put my hands kind of around her waist real low with my thumbs kind of in her belly button and my fingers around the metal back seat, kind of holding her down because she was freaking out. She was screaming bloody murder and I'm in line and I'm looking over and I'm seeing candy bars. I'm seeing little toys. And for the first time in my life, I understood why people do it, why they buy their kids uh, and, and satiate them with things like this. So they will shut up because it's embarrassing. It's horribly embarrassing. Everybody was looking at me. At least I felt like they were, they thought I was hurting her. But by the time we got out of that store and I went through that line, she had stopped and she had learned that I wasn't going to let her butt go until she did. And so she did. We also had little things. Like, like when she was a year and a half to two and a half, she was evil. And we would go to the restaurants and she would start freaking out. And I would say, we're going for a walk. And, and, and what that meant was I'm going to go outside with her to the car and I'm gonna spank her for, and tell her that she needs to be quiet. And, uh, by the time she was three, uh, you know, if she was fussing up or whatever, I would say, you ready to go for a walk? And the answer would be a clear no. And the behavior would change. Okay. Now, now that we've gotten through all of that, and I hope it's been uh, clear as mud for you is we have to talk about consistency because this cannot be like a, a, a new year's resolution that you start 
with good and you know and then you don't and then you don't do it so your your discipline uh structure your minimum requirements your rewardable behavior um you know your 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 all these things have to have um consistency and and it's and it's like this okay uh, paul talks about it that if that those who are ignorant of the law the law didn't apply to them, but those that didn't know the law, it does. And I kind of take that and I make this example. If you stop at a, or if there's a stop sign that they added in your neighborhood and there's a cop across the way, what, making sure people stop at it, but you didn't see it. You just kept on going. If he doesn't pull you over, even though there's a stop sign, I would say that you have just been told there is no stop sign. Cause then the next morning you go through it again. No, no lights, no sirens. I can ignore the stop sign with no repercussions. There is really no stop sign. So a stop sign with no repercussions, no stop sign. So now let's take it down to your child's level. And let's just say my, some of my most vivid stuff is around Jenna when she was trying to be fed at the, uh, at the table. And uh, she had a really big problem with meat and potatoes just hated he still hates mashed potatoes okay uh but she has learned to like meat which is a great thing because meat is a big part you know of eating um you know it's it's possible to eat without meat i i know but in our family we we like chicken and and stuff and pigs and stuff to eat them um my one of my daughter's greatest last hurrahs um was this, and she still remembers it. She claims she does. I think she remembers more the the telling of it, but she wouldn't eat her meat and a tiny little bit of potatoes. She, you know, we were still establishing, trying to get her to like new and more things. And she was supposed to go to uh, the gym with my wife. And we told her, if you don't have that thing finished, you know, in the next 15 minutes or so, you're not going to the gym. Well, she sat there and farted around with it. And Jen left uh, for the gym with me, with the daughter. And I sent the daughter to her room because she was freaking out again. She had a bad temper. And for 45 minutes, that little girl screamed. I want to go to the gym. I want to go with Baba. I want to go to the gym. I want to go with the Baba. And man, do you want to think that if you think that I wasn't, uh, dealing with temper <laughs> problems there, um, you, you would, uh, you're thinking more highly of me than you ought. Uh, but I did ho- hold my tongue and my peace and she screamed and screamed and screamed. And finally there was a point though where she was done. And I says, uh, are you all done screaming and being bad or whatever? Screaming and hollering. Yes. Okay. And then to her horror, horror of horrors, I went in there and I got that daggone plate. I brought it to her in a room and without a second, she woofed up the little bit of meat and the little bit of potatoes and she was done. She was done. She did it. And guess who won? I won. I didn't have to do a spanking. That's why I know it's possible without them, but man, it saves time. But, uh, in this case she was getting older and needed, she needed whatever's going to hurt her the most, (laughs) uh, to teach her, you know, that when we say something, we mean it. And, and she, 
that I'm telling you was the breaking point. And I say breaking point in a good way. It's where her will was finally kind of broken and, and rebuilt in the proper way. That old way of getting what she wanted, where screaming and crying and kicking and fussing, that's okay for babies, but we have to break that and make a new version. <laughs> and I think that was the, that was the turning point for her. Was everything perfect after that? No, but man, we were, we weren't as uphill as we, as we were there at the beginning, but you have to be consistent. Because if your rules are there and you state them and then you do not back them up, there are no rules. And your kids know this. They are not stupid. Their job, they are raptors. Like in Back to the, Fut- Back to the Future, uh, Jurassic Park Part 1, they were talking, excuse me, talking about the raptors in the cage. And, and he mentions how that the raptors will systematically attack the fences. They never attack the same place twice because they're electrified, but they're checking every single square inch and never the same place twice for weaknesses in the electrical fence. Why are they doing this? They want to get out. They want to do what they're supposed to, what they want to do, and they want to do it without the pain. Eventually, I'm, I'm sure these smart raptors would have eventually quit because they're like, okay, we've done it all. It's, it's all electrified. It's always electrified. Never could be not electrified. So we can find maybe dig up, you know, under the ground or something, but we can't, we can't go over the top. Sorry. And that's what children always are doing. They are systematically checking your fences for weaknesses. And uh, whether it's eating time, play time, whether you know you're in a public setting like a Target or Walmart, um, kids will look for these weaknesses in your plans and in your expectations, uh, and and they will try to 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 get what they want at all costs. But it's not your job to teach them to be good. Or remember, it's it's to be more like Christ, and uh, and that means you you show them by example, but you're always there to be consistent. To be consistent, whatever it is you do, um, be consistent in it. Um, it doesn't even mean that you always have to step it up. You know, like, well, Billy threw his bowl on the table for from cereal this morning, and uh, I I popped him on the back of the hand. But this morning he did the same thing and threw his thing down. And I popped him on the back of the hand again. Sometimes that will eventually just get old. But you got to go to that thing again. Is is the punishment outweighing the benefit? He likes seeing the bowl on the ground. He likes seeing you upset about it. He likes he's getting off on the cause and effect thing. Is that more? Is that worth it? And the smack on the hand is not. What if you got his butt down there and started cleaning it up? Oh, oh, you ain't had to spank nobody. Now you just have to sit down there and it's going to be a pain. It's going to teach the kid how to. How to swift it up, how to how to clean it up with a wash rag. He's going to think twice before he knocks his crap on the ground again. Hollow threats are in no way good for children. I hear it all the time with uh, people, at, like I said, at the Walmarts. <laughs> I heard it in children's church. And it's they threaten children with the the uh, the punishment. And punishments are not threats. You should never threaten your kid. Spank your kid before you threaten your kid. Don't threaten your child. Don't don't lie to your child. 
You know, do you want a timeout? What question is that? The answer is no. No, I do not want a timeout. I would like to have my way. If you have find yourself saying, do you want a timeout? It's time for a timeout. The child does not get to choose whether he gets punished or not. That is your job. That is your time. Let me just face this real quick too. A lot of people don't want to do these things because they somehow think it's going to break their kid's personality. And here's what I would say. First of all, you are assuming that a child comes out perfect and they do not. They do not. There's not a single human that has been perfect from birth ever in life. Never, 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 never. They, as they are cute, they're innocent, they're awesome, but they are not perfect. They grow into imperfect people. Okay. Secondly, so, so, so you can assume that their personalities are imperfect. And, and I hate this assumption that just because a child has a personality, that the personality isn't flawed. Every personality is flawed. Man, there could be a great kid, but he talks to everyone as if everything he says is the most exciting thing in the world. And everybody hates the kid because the kid just goes on and on and on because nobody ever taught him that everything he has to say doesn't, you know, fly down from the, from the, the butt of an angel. Okay. So (laughs) listen, anything that is a part of your kid's personality that is causing them and you to have strife is not a part of the personality that needs to stay on your child anyway. shave that off and save the good parts. See, that's the thing because in a, in the world that the universe, the current is going to, um, is going to exaggerate the parts of your child that aren't the good parts, you know, because everybody, every child is, is apt to putting themselves first and you have got to help them do the opposite of that. The other thing parents worry about is I don't want to damage my relationship with my child. And I would just simply say this, that any part, any relationship where the basis of it is not based on mutual respect, where you are the leader and they are the follower is not a relationship that needs to be alive anyway. It needs to be rebooted. You are the boss and they are there to be trained and brought up by you. That's your job. You've been given your child by God and much like the, uh, the parable, you're going to be called to give an account one day of what you did for your kid. Some of you guys were given one kid and you buried him in the ground. Some of you were given two or three and the talent, uh, (laughs) Uh, the talent story is now broken down. It doesn't work very good, but you know what I'm saying? You we're we're given everything we're given is from God. Every good and perfect gift comes down to us from the father of lights. And I believe we are going to be held accountable for every one of them. What did you do with your kid? Did, did, did the vision that we shared for that child come true? Yes or no? Well, no, he, he wanted to watch a lot of TV. And so I just kind of let him, you know, I, I want a better answer than that. And if my kids go bad, I'm not saying they won't. I, you know, I think I'm setting them up for some good stuff. But um, 
if they go bad, I want to be able to look God in the eye and say, you and I both know we did everything in our power. It wasn't me. It wasn't their mom. They made a decision in spite of it. Some people say, well, my, I want my kids to know that they, I love them. And, um, and I, I know some parents that buy things for their kids, things that they never had when they were kids, you know, cause they're compensating for the things in their life that they didn't have. Well, here's the only problem with that is your kids not walking around with the pain and the emptiness of what your childhood left you with. So they're only getting the benefits. And so it doesn't really do what you think it's doing. And it can very well, you know, teach them that they deserve or, or, you know, are due things that, that aren't necessarily uh, due to them things, you know, buying them too much stuff. Uh, another thing that I see hurts folks is if you're divorced it's very hard to be the disciplinarian parent because typically there's one parent that's fun and the other one that's a different kind of fun, but also, you know, the one that has to do the homework and the strictness and all that kind of stuff. And it, I've seen so many times where, you know, you get the grandparents involved and the exes are, are now have, uh, you know, a husband or wife of their own, a new one, and there's other children involved, but everybody seems to kind of want to be the most impressive to the kid. And so the kid gets tons of presents and tons of love, quote unquote. But um, ultimately, um, they they don't have any structure or boundaries. And that leads me to what I will hopefully do my my last thing and my big point. I usually start with this, but I will end with this. I was in children, children's ministry for years and years, and kids that would not sit in their seats in my children's ministry like i told you during parts the minimum requirements were you're going to be seated and you're not going to bother anybody but if they couldn't do that if they couldn't stay in their seats i would tell them first first step because i had a consequence ladder consequence one was um a verbal warning you're going to be moved to time out if you cannot sit here in this seat so if the child got up again um, I had a little, you know, place in the back, a little bench, and they would go back there and they would sit and they would sit in timeout for one minute per year that they were alive. That is my, my basic kind of thing there. It, Cause mostly because your child's, uh, what's it called? Uh, attention span is basically one year per, I mean, one minute per year of life. So if you go any longer than three minutes on a three-year-old, you're wasting you know, wasting their life and yours because they don't, they're, they're off. They don't, they're not going to learn anything anymore. Um, so, you know, say it's an eight year old, eight, eight minutes later, they're done. And it always used to just, especially in my early days, floor me that you couldn't sit in your stupid chair, but you could sit through timeout. You could just sit there and be good in timeout. It's ridiculous. I never understood it. I'd see it over and over and over again. Finally, it kind of hit me as I was, kind of research and discipline and writing down my thoughts on it is to me, that thing right there, that, that what is it that makes a kid sit in a chair where they wouldn't otherwise, they have no discipline in their life. They have no reason to respect anybody, but they'll do that. And I think it's this, I believe it's all in my heart. It is the inner desire for a child that, that a child has for structure, structure and limits and boundaries. These things are 
we even like these things in our lives. Um, anything worth having in life comes with all of those things, limits and boundaries and sacrifices and all that. But kids who have no boundaries are miserable, miserable children. And they make for miserable parents. And your children, I tell my kids this all the time, you don't understand how many things you're allowed to do that other kids don't because you know how to behave. I can take you to places that other people can't take their kids. For instance, I mean, this probably bites some people on the butt, but my children can unwrap presents at their own birthday parties. That's a new thing is they can't do that anymore. Why? Because the kids are freaking out. I hate this. I don't want this. And just, you know, then the kid that gave it's crying and on and on and on. And then the, and then the other kids are jealous because they're not getting presents and blah, 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 blah. I mean, I handled it when I was a kid, but we can't do it anymore. But my kid can open presents in front of her friends because she knows how to be thankful. Even when she doesn't like something, she knows how to say Thanks and appreciate the work that they put into it and thoughts and the gift receipt. (laughs) So, um, yeah, there you go. This is a long one. This is a long uh, deal. But if you have any questions about any of the things I've said, please send them in and I'd love to do a follow up and address them. Um, this this podcast is probably going to keep me from actually starting a a discipline podcast. I'd love to be the Dr. Laura of uh of discipline, children's discipline. That would be so awesome cuz if you listen to her enough, you kind of realize she only has five or six different things cuz she's got this basic understanding of the way a relationship's supposed to be. And and I do too with with kids. Um but if you have any specific issues or you know problems, um, just let me know, because one of the things that can really throw off this whole deal, the, all this awesome structure that I put down is if you and your spouse are not in complete agreement, when you especially got the, just if you've got the divorce thing going on, or if you've got a parent that wants to be the good guy and won't back you up consistency, 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 it's even got to be between parents. Um, they can't go to one parent and get an answer that's different than the other. Matter of fact, that's one of the biggest things my kids can get in trouble for is, and they don't do it as a result, is to go ask one parent and then go to the other one and ask them the same thing and go with that. Um, that's a bad, that's manipulation at its finest. And uh, so there you go. Um, I could have talked a lot of, about a lot of other things. I, I, I read Harry Potter with my kid this week and uh, my son and got to watch the movie and he was really happy about that. Now we're reading book two and it might be a little spooky for him, but whatever. Um, you know, we got, I'm getting my basement studio set up and we're talking about Tuesday, um, this Tuesday, uh, what is it? January the 5th, uh, recording an episode of, um, that story show. So we've been really excited about that. Getting back with John Steinklobber and Christian Sudreth. And, um, this is actually my first podcast recording in my new setup. My, I've kind of pared down a lot of that big equipment and got it down to its, its basic needs. And, um, that's it. So again, I hope you enjoy listening. Please send me your comments and questions. I'll read them on the next episode. We'll see you guys next time. 
right here on Gospel of Kennison. Peace.